Welcome back to Your Average Witch, where we talk about witch life, witch stories, and sometimes a little witchcraft. Before we get into the interview, I have some exciting news. Your Average Witch has been nominated for a Witchy, which is an award given at the Official Witches Sabbath. From their website, the Official Witches Sabbath is an assembly of contemporary witches and occultists that features a wide range of workshops, rituals, traditions, and artistry. They give out outstanding achievement awards based on votes from the general public, and that means people like you. And I would love it if you'd go vote for me for Outstanding New Podcast of the Year. You can vote at witchessabbat.com forward slash witchies. There's also a link in the show notes, or you can find it in my Instagram bio at instagram.com forward slash podcast. Moving back to the show. In this episode, we meet Lady Clary, creator of Midnight by Verbena. We talk about ancestors growing up in small town Virginia and the importance of spiritual baths. Now let's get to the stories. Hi, Clary. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? It's great. It's as great as it can be during Mercury retrograde. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Would you please introduce yourself and let everybody know who you are and what you do and where they can find you? Yeah. So um, my name is Lady Clary. I am the owner, creator of Midnight by Verbena. One might call me a professional witch. <laughs> Um, you can find me over at midnightbyverbena.com or on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash midnightbyverbena. And what do you do there? I post about everything. I, on, on my socials, I, I post about my personal practices, my, uh, belief systems, updates within the shop, you know, just kind of all kinds of stuff. Tell us about the shop. I actually oh. meant that. I was not clear with my oh. <laughs> <laughs> So. Because Mercury. Yeah. Mercury, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, she is. So at Midnight by Verbena, I handcraft all of the items that I offer um, from the candles to the condition oils to the body oils to bubble baths to soaps to, I mean, everything. Everything that comes out of my shop is handmade by me. So you get an extension of my heart and soul, but also my spirits that walk with me in my path and my craft. Um, over at the shop, I do also offer uh, spiritual coaching. I offer divination services. I teach classes. I I, I wear many many hats. <laughs> Don't you also have spell kits? I like do. Little boxes. Um, yeah, I do. Um, actually, this is the last month to uh, to get one of the the monthly boxes um, because we're going to be shifting to quarterly boxes. So every solstice or um, equinox, I'm going to be. Uh, doing a one big box as opposed to 12 small boxes. So, yeah. And you also have a Patreon, right? I do. Thank you for reminding me of that. Um, I have a Patreon. Um, she has yet to be named. Um, I have a Patreon uh, that has three different tiers. Tier one is, um, I think it's just called regular Patreon right now, but tier one um, is participation 
with the morning meditations. We do a five days a week. We get up at 8 a.m. Central Standard Time and we talk for about 45 minutes to an hour and we meditate and we set the tone for our day. Tier two, um, you get to participate in the morning meditations, but you also get to uh, participate in uh, Tarot Thursdays, which goes anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and a half. And we just pull cards and um, it's it's kind of like a free-for-all divination fest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you want to know about that it? We'll talk violent. about it. I have this simple <laughs> picture. Of just spirit saying, this is how it's going down. <laughs> Everybody's in a circle and somebody's got a pendulum and cards and over there they got, I don't know, a We're glass. The <laughs> like about the box. <laughs> I love it. Oh. But that is every, uh, that's every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time and everything is recorded so you can go back and, and watch the old stuff or, you know, keep up with the new stuff. And then the third tier, which I think is my most expansive, it's it's kind of a teaching portal slash uh, instructional videos slash blog posts, um, thoughts and how to's and tips and tricks and and so on. So in that third tier, you get all of that in addition to the morning meditations, um, the tarot Thursdays, and then I'm starting to get into um, new moon and full moon gatherings and offering uh, bonus episodes to the podcast that I started last month. So I also have a podcast uh, called Down on the Delta. You can find it anywhere. She's streaming Apple, uh, iTunes. I think that's what it's called. iTunes, Spotify, all of it. What does it mean to you when you call yourself a witch? Oh, wow. Good question. Um, so to call myself a witch, what that means to me is to, to stand in my authenticity and to stand not only stand in my authenticity, but to pay homage to all of my ancestors who were also, well, not all of them, but there are a good few that were, you know, medicine women, healers, diviners. And, you know, some, some were practicing witches, but it, to me, to, to call myself a witch is to pay homage to all of the, all of those that came before me that, were punished and abused and wrongfully treated for doing what they did. Um, and also to, to, to stand in my sacred sovereign power and to say, this is me, take it or leave it. <laughs> so you feel like you have family history with witchcraft then? Yes, none it's it's none that I have found on paper. It's it's things that have been pulled during my mediumship. Um and you know, if if we look back through history, women who you know weren't necessarily trained as, you know, doctor, well, back then you women weren't doctors. They were nurses and midwives and you know, some of those people, they were healers and 
some of those women, not saying all, but saying some were, you know, ostracized from, you know, their villages and their communities for having that healing capability to, to utilize plant medicine, to utilize plants and roots and botanicals in that way to, to heal. And so I think, yes, (laughs) yes. So in your immediate family though, growing up, did you have any witchy influences or do you, did you, cause I, I think you grew up sort of like I did. I I think so too. If I were, I think. Wait, I, wait. Oh, I meant to ask you where in Southwestern Virginia are you from? Oh, okay. So I am from a really, really small town. It's called Martinsville, Virginia. It has like three stoplights yes. and a NASCAR track. <laughs> yeah. I know where Martinsville is. Yeah. So you've been there. Yeah. For the racetrack. Wow. Back when I had a very different life. <laughs> yeah. 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 So um, I grew up there. Um, and then my parents separated, divorced, and my mom moved us even further out into the country, into this little area called Horse Pasture, Spencer, Virginia. And that's much more uh, closer to the Blue Ridge Mountains. And uh, we spent, God, like I think seven or eight years out there before coming back into the city of Martinsville. So it's right there in that little nook of the mountains, not a whole lot going on, but, um, as far as people in my family, if, if there, if I had any influence, I had a, um, I had on my biological father's side, an aunt who lived in the mountains and I would, uh, run away to her house, you know, run away as a kid, you know? Yeah. I would run away as like a rowdy teenager and tell her what was going on. And um, she would say, oh, here's an amethyst. Here's a tiger's eye. Keep this under your pillow. Or And she was really the only person I could ever truly talk to about the things that were going on around me in, in terms of <clears throat> my medium, psychic mediumship that was opening up. And I felt like I couldn't control it. She was the only person I could talk to about it. Um, but in in terms of like my immediate family, I, I'm the very first. What was your first experience with witchcraft? Was it with the crystals with your aunt, or was it something else? Um, my first experience with witchcraft, because I don't I don't consider crystal crystal healing and all of that to be witchcraft. Um, to me, that's more spiritual. Um, Witchcraft to me is, you know, calling the corners, you know, doing candle magic and, and so on. Um, my first experience with that was in middle school. I ended up making friends with this young boy in my class who, you know, we just kind of looked at each other. We were like, oh, you wear all black. Oh, I wear all black. Let's be friends. Because <laughs> there weren't very many of us. There were maybe like a handful of like the goth kids. And, um, or what could be considered goth when you're, you know, seventh grade. (laughs) So, uh, I ended up making friends with him and he was very, very much already into the Wiccan path. His mother was a practicing Wiccan. And so through him, I learned about the Fae and calling the corners. And, um, as we got, you know, into our 
throughout throughout our middle school career, I started hanging out, you know, outside of school with him. And then by extension, some of his friends, and we would go into the woods with, you know, dollar store candles. And uh, we would sit in a circle and hold hands and call the corners. And so that was my very, that was my introduction to witchcraft. Do you have any daily practices now that you'll share with us? Oh, yeah, sure. I'm all for a daily practice. Um, so the first, I, okay, so I make it a habit of exercising in the morning at least three days a week. So, uh, but on the days that I'm not up and at the gym exercising or going outside for a run or a walk or some sort of movement, the very first thing I do I wake up and I have my dream journal and I write down all of the things that happened in the dream, no matter how big or how small it is or how weird or how mundane it might seem. The next thing I do is I have a meditation playlist and I have the Devi prayer. Devi is D-E-V-I for those that are that are listening to this, that want to use that. It's a 20 minute prayer for peace. And it's, I think it's in Sanskrit, but as that's playing, I call my energy back to me, um, as witches, as however you identify in your practice, there's a good amount of what we do. We do a lot of work while we, while we sleep, while we dream, while we astral project and all of that. And so it's so important to call your energy back to you in the mornings so that as you're getting up for your day, you're not tired, you're not sluggish or foggy or anything like that. So I make it a point to call my energy back to me um, from, from wherever it went while I'm sleeping. And, you know, I go to the ancestor altars, refresh their glass of water, uh, empty out their coffee if it needs changing. Usually about two to three days, I'll change their coffee out, um, light up their candle, light a stick of incense, say good morning to them. And then I'll go about my getting ready for the day and preparing for the morning meditation with uh, everyone on the Patreon. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a lot. It takes me normally about an hour and a half. <laughs> A lot of multitasking. So are you out as a witch? Oh, yeah. Out and proud, baby. Did you come out as like a thing or was it just sort of gradual? Everybody just eventually gradually realized. Um, so my coming out story was spanned over, I think, 20 years. Um, my When I was younger, you know, I don't know if people listening to this will remember, but, uh, you know, I remember Walden's books. Do you, did you have? Yes. Okay. (laughs) So what mall did you go to? Uh, the only one in town, Liberty fair. Cause I'm from Roanoke and we went to Valley View. (laughs) That's right. Okay. So I've been to Valley View too. I've made plenty of trips, (laughs) plenty of trips to that Valley View. Yes. Oh my god. Yes, I know Walden books. <laughs> okay. So, uh my coming out, like I said, spanned over god two decades. And um I remember going to Walden Books in their teeny tiny new age section. And as I got older, you know, I started carrying uh a purse 
and I would have a pen or a piece of paper, scrap paper in my purse, and I would hide in the new age section and I would scribble down as much as I can through all the books, looking at the astrology and um, palmistry and tarot and, you know, Wicca this and, you know, all of that. And it was great until I got caught. <laughs> I, got, <laughs> I got caught and it was a big to do. It was like, you know, you know, we don't do that because as I'm sure you're familiar, Martinsville is a very, very small Christian conservative Southern Baptist town. Yep. And uh, I made myself and my family a target. And I got put on a prayer list. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. They started calling my home and oh no. The prayer, yeah, the prayer warriors. My mother was not thrilled. Um <laughs> because it was happening while I was I would spend the weekends with my my dad and his his wife. And we would go to Valley View or we would go to Liberty Fair and you know, go to the bookstores and stuff. But um you know, I got caught and it was this whole, you're not allowed to practice Wicca. You're not allowed to do this. You know, they burned everything. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> yeah, it was, but it was, you know, it was like just this moment of like, you're not doing that. I don't care what you do when you're out of my house, but while you're here, you're not doing it. And so when I finally came out officially, it was like, yeah, whatever. We knew. <laughs> it was like, oh, big surprise. So <clears throat> I also think it helped that over the years, I would ask my mom, because we lived in two houses that were incredibly haunted. And I think it helped that to soften the blow that I would ask her, I was like, Hey, do you remember when we lived in this house? And did you ever remember anything weird happening or did this happen to you? And my mom would say, Oh, Oh yeah. And so the interest in the occult, the interest in the paranormal, the, the heavy interest in, you know, Halloween and spooky things and witches and um, astrology and all of that. I think that helps soften the blow as well. <laughs> Have you gotten any kickback for being out? Um, yes, I have. Um, I have lost several friends uh, by by being out loud and proud. I think the war, and I know it, it could have been a lot worse. And I'm very thankful and and grateful that it 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 wasn't as bad as it could be. But I think the worst thing that anyone's ever said was like, "Is there anybody around me right now?" can you see anything like making fun of me? <laughs> yeah. Or, um, being called crazy because, you know, I can read somebody at, on a dime and tell them things that they, you know, don't necessarily want exposed. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, people say, or these former friends saying, you know, we miss you. This is not you. We miss, you know, who you were before all this. So I'm like, you raggedy motherfuckers. <laughs> I was hit like this the whole time. I just chose not to tell you about it. But, you know, them asking me to refrain from talking about 
what I what what I'm doing in my day to day life, what's happening in the shop and the developments. I think that's about that's about as worse worse as it as it's been. But now everybody, if if you know, if I tell somebody, they just oh oh okay oh, and then they just keep going. I'm pissed <laughs> off that they told you to stop talking. I was the upset. Fuck? Yeah, I was very, very upset. Um, I won't lie. I think I cried for a couple months. Well, yeah, um, that's betrayal. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it, I've made peace with it. I'll say that. And Good. I wished them, you know, all the best. Do um, you? Yeah, I do. I don't know that I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I think people can only understand and appreciate you at the capacity at which they understand and appreciate themselves. And so I kind of took that as they don't have anything in their life that gives them purpose, that makes them feel more connected with the world around them. And it can be very jarring and it can be threatening to some people. And I just, I think in that moment I was upset and I was hurt, but at the same time I felt, I felt sorry. I felt, I felt bad for them. And, but yeah, no ill will, no, no hurtful, hateful feelings. Good for you. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) I am not involved. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of work. And a lot of dedication. <laughs> what is your biggest motivator in your practice? Oh, um, my biggest motivator, my ancestors. My biggest motivator is my ancestors to to do the work that they were not able to do or were shunned, ostracized, kept, held back from doing. They are my biggest motivators. Um, I think also another big motivator is my own development. Um, I think if you if you can heal yourself, you can heal other people. And if I come across anybody that I come across, and I can give them a little bit, a little something to help them. Uh, towards their personal development, whether they are practicing or not, that that motivates me. What do you most want out of your practice? Oh, fulfillment, um, personal fulfillment, to be more connected to the world around me, to to evolve spiritually as a person. What would you say brought the most joy out of your practice so far? What has brought me the most joy? Understanding and getting a solid hold on my mediumship skills. <laughs> there was a time when seeing, you know, shadow people or seeing, you know, these fly, these orbs and seeing, you know, dead people float through the room scared the hell out of me. I did not understand what was happening and I went through a lot. Um, it, it really affected my mental health and 
kept me from participating in life for, for a number of years. And so the fact that I now have a community, I now have elders, I now have resources to, to help and to further it, that has brought me the most joy. Do you feel like you ever have to deal with imposter syndrome in yourself? Oh my God. Yeah. Who doesn't? <laughs> I mean, people have come on here and said they don't. Oh, wow. Exactly. Um, and they, I, I don't know. I, there, you know, I, I, I have my days, but I have to remember that I can't listen to others, others opinion of what I should and should not be doing or what I, you know, can and can't do or what, you know, unless they're, you know, unless they are an initiated priest or a mambo, babalao, all of that, unless they are a certified, verified elder in their tradition, in their community, then I, I can't allow myself to listen to what others, others' opinions of what I should and should not be doing. And so that for me, relying on my spirits and the ones that are within my spiritual court and my guides and my guardians, that helps me with, uh, with navigating my feelings of imposter syndrome when they do pop up. But to answer your question, yes, every now and again, I do. <laughs> what would you say is your biggest struggle in your practice? Mm, my biggest struggle in my practice. Do you want currently or in the past? B both. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a resolution, both, yeah. because that'll help everybody. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, in the past, my biggest struggle was discernment. Uh, my biggest struggle was discernment and uh, listening to my spirits and my instinct the first time. I used to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. But in this world, both spiritual, magical, mundane, um, you just have to be very careful about who you allow access to your energy and who you allow into your, your, at, your atmosphere or stratosphere. I think that's the right word. Because not everyone is in alignment with you or not everyone is supposed to be on your journey with you. Your journey is, is it's unique to you. And um, you're, I, I believe that you're, not only are you responsible for the energy that you put out into the world, but you're also responsible for the energy and the frequencies that you allow into your world. And if you are the core sum of the five people you hang out the most with, if four people are, you know, just kind of low, I hate the word low vibrational and negative, but it, I mean, it is what it is. Um, I prefer to use the term out of imbalanced or uh, out of balance. If, if four people are mixing practices and, and out of balance or not taking enough spiritual baths, then you make the fifth person. And so this is why it's important to have discernment and being very uh, clear with what you will and won't tolerate. I would say now my biggest struggle is understanding that I can't help everybody. 
I cannot help everybody that comes to me. I cannot do all things. And so having to put, well, I mean, now that I think about it, I think this is still an extension of that. So just delegating who I can and cannot help and setting that boundary there. I'm just going to throw out an opinion here. Sure. (laughs) I feel like by creating your Patreon, you've shrunk your circle to what you can handle instead of trying to do it through Instagram because I know you said a ton of well on on your stories like it seemed like a bunch of people contacted you a lot and by shrinking your circle to Patreon you're helping yourself in that I am I definitely you're you're spot on with that I definitely uh it's I know now who's looking at my my content. I know who is peeping into my world now. Whereas on Instagram, you know, I, I think I think technology is a portal anyway. And I think, you know, social media is a portal anyway. And my spirits told me to get, you know, I gotta get, you know, I gotta tidy it up. And so the Patreon came along and The Patreon has definitely helped with delegating who I allow access to my time and attention. Also in the Patreon, I can be very, very real with people and not have to worry about hurting people's feelings. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because not everybody, not everybody can handle, you know, someone telling them the absolute truth about them. Because it's painful. <laughs> it is painful. It sucks, but so, you know it. It helps in your personal development. You know. Yeah, but if you're not ready to hear that. Yeah, that's why this morning in our morning meditation, I was like, "Do you want me to lie to you, or do you want me to tell you the truth?" And so I think that um, that has helped balance things in 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 what I'm doing, and also too asking anyone that comes to me. I said, "Are you?" looking for my professional opinion and my advice or are you just looking for a place to vent before I offer, you know, my help. I think that also helps set the tone. Yeah. And they might not even know. They they'll have to sometimes they have to think about that. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So that that's definitely helped uh <laughs> tidy up my, you know, I have to help and heal everybody syndrome. (laughs) I would love it if you would please tell me two stories, one being your best experience with witchcraft and one being the worst. And you can interpret those any way you want, but if they make me laugh, that's my favorite. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, so my best experience with witchcraft, um, there are so many that come to mind, but they're not exactly witchcraft related. They're more of like, um, okay, so I'll, I'll tell you, I'll do this one because it's fun. Um, so my mom, when I was living in DC, uh, my mom came to town and, you know, they stayed the weekend and all of that. And one of the things we did for her birthday was we did one of those walking tours of old town Alexandria and it's a ghost tour and they take you to all it's it's incredibly informational but they take you to all these different like murder scenes and from colonial America and 
Um, one of the places that we went to, and I think this was like the, my aha moment with my mom, but one of the places that we went to, the woman was saying, there's no recorded activity of a haunting here and da, 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 da. And I feel it. I feel the pull, the tug of whatever it was, spirits, ghost, but I feel it in the top right corner of the house, staring out the window at us. And, you know, nobody else is looking up. And I look over at my mom and she's doing the same thing. She's looking up at that window too. Mm. And I lean over and we'd had a couple drinks at this point. And I lean over (laughs) and I said, girl, I know I see it too. She jumped. She said, shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) And then we went about our way on the tour. And as we're walking, I said, girl, I know I saw it too. And she said, we're not talking about this right now. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of my favorites. One of my favorite moments. One of my not so favorite moments, though, it's one of the only times that I have ever heard a spirit very, very loud and clear. Like it was, it was an audible voice. Don't like it. Nope. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Insert trigger warning. If you don't like this, maybe, I don't know, (laughs) stop listening. I don't know. (laughs) It's about to get real. (laughs) Um, So I, at the time, I think this was like circa 2012 or 2013, I was living with this terrible person. (laughs) I was living with this boyfriend. It was a very abusive relationship, not kosher at all. And I, at the time I was um, waiting tables at like a really popular sports bar and I would get home at like two o'clock in the morning after closing and cleaning up and he would already be asleep and in bed or whatever. And I came home one night And I remember it was the fall because I used to think anytime that the air got colder, the veil was thinner. And so anytime fall rolled around, I would be like, oh God, no, not again. Sort of God, just leave me alone. But I remember coming home and I was like having something to eat. I had my laptop open watching something on Netflix and the, the volume button like on the Netflix uh interface I think screen thing yeah that part it kept moving by itself and then the mouse would move by itself and I wasn't touching anything and I just like unlike yeah and I just remember going fucking stop (laughs) I'm trying to watch something stop and so finally I gave up and I'm like you know what I'm just gonna go to bed it's like almost three o'clock in the morning, whatever. And I'm on my side of the bed and I'm plugging in my cell phone because there's like half battery left. And I'm plugging in my cell phone into the wall and I'm like setting my alarm. All of a sudden my cell phone dies out of nowhere. I'm like, how did it just die? I just plugged it in. I felt something on the back of my ear and I'll never forget it. It was my left ear and a cold chill went down the side of my neck and I heard wrong one in a female's voice in my ear. And then uh, the phone turned back on and I turned around and nobody was there, but my uh, ex-boyfriend laying there. Top 10 
like top whatever number one worst moment I hated it it freaked me out <laughs> I moved out two months later like I broke up with him and was like I can't do this anymore this house sucks <laughs> <laughs> and then you know I, I broke up with him I moved out and then it everything was better like I stopped seeing and like the shadows and the low vibrational whatevers they they went away who do you think it was? Um, now that I'm older, I very much think it was my great grandmother. Um, there was always, I could smell her all the time. I could smell her perfume. And at this point she had, she, she passed when I was 16. And at that point I was 23, but it had been a buildup, you know, doors in that house would open and close by themselves um, the coffee pot would turn on by itself. Um, I would feel pinching on my butt randomly throughout Rude. the day. I know, but this something that my grand, great-grandmother used to do. She she would call it goosing. She would goose me. Um, but it, it was um, <clears throat> a slow buildup. And I think it was her um, because... Like shit just started popping off in 2012. That was just such a terrible relationship. And I think it was her and my great grandfather working together to get me out of that house. Because after, for about two years after that relationship ended, um, they would come in the dream dream realm and, and deliver messages and stuff. And for uh, two years after that, he tried to get back together with me and just something told me no. And, but they would show me in the dreams what would have happened if I stayed. And every single one, he was attempting to kill me. And also, sorry, second trigger warning, if domestic violence I think we is the is the correct one for this, but the day I broke up with him, two months after hearing that, he pulled a gun on me as I was trying to leave, and it it was just it was it was messy, <laughs> it was messy. So I I think it was them. Well, I'm glad you got out. Me too. Me too. What do you wish somebody had told you when you were first starting out? Oh my God, that it's not a race, <laughs> that it's not a race to, to read the next book or to buy the next crystal or to, to do all the things, to, to take your time, take your time, pace yourself. It can be very, very overwhelming. Um, also, not every aspect of your practice is meant to be shared with everyone else. It can be very, I mean, when, listen, when I was starting out, we didn't have social media. Facebook had just become a thing and it was only available to like college students. So the rise in social media has, while it has given us some great things, it's also, it's, it's tricky and sometimes it can be dangerous. And not everything in your spiritual practice is meant to be shared with everybody else. Some things are just simply meant for you. And just just to be mindful, like your altars, you know, 
I believe in having multiple altars, but you know, your working altar, the one that you're doing your consistent work at is not meant to be shared. It's not meant to be seen. And so by posting it on social media, you make yourself, you know, like I said before, social media is, it's a portal and people can project, you know, people, people can curse, they can jinx, they can project an evil eye through just a picture. And so, um, it's nice to have the community. It's nice to have people to talk to, but just being very mindful of what you share within your own private practice, because it's your relationship with your spirits, your relationship with your practice is just supposed to be that meant for you and your spirits. I I treat mine like a marriage. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's, you know, nobody loves a marriage when the mother-in-law is always poking her nose in. Who would you say are your three biggest influences on your practice? I think this is a, uh, it's a no brainer. Number one is my ancestors. Um, my learning where my people came from, learning what my blood and my DNA is comprised of, upholding the traditions that of their, you know, their grandmothers and their grandmothers and their grandmothers. They play a, a big, big influence on my practice. Um, second would be uh, Marie Laveau. She, God, she her willingness to serve her community, um, her just bad ass, <laughs> bad ass motherfuckery. Like she's, she was my, she's, she is my second influence. And then, you know, I don't think I really have a third. I think it's just my ancestors and Marie Laveau. Those two are the biggest ones on my influence on my spiritual practice. Now we're going to come to the fun part. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like all the roller coaster. (laughs) What do you hate about the witch community? Oh, what do I hate? Or dislike. Um, If hate's too strong, what do you dislike? Yeah, I think hate's too strong of a word. It's what I dislike is there's a lot of emphasis put on you have to have this tool or you have to have this certain herb, or you have to have this crystal in order to be successful in your manifestations. I think the power, I mean, I think the true magic and the true power comes from within. It, it comes from dedication. It comes from being consistent. And, you know, if our ancestors, our ancestors didn't have, (laughs) they had sticks and dirt (laughs) and leaves and like the moon and they had each, you know, water and, you know, they just, I can accomplish more with a glass of water and a candle than I can with all these fancy, you know, objects. So I I think the, the pressure that we put on were, I don't want to say me because I don't want to include myself in in that riffraff. Um, but I think the pressure that that reawakening witches feel is they have to have all these things in order to facilitate a spell and it's, or, or to have a successful practice. And that's just not true. What do you love about us? <laughs> what do I love? I, I love the community of it all. I love that there is now it's 
it's gotten to a point where it's more accepted now than it was 15 years ago to be out and open and practicing. I mean, in, in our part of the world, I can't speak for, you know, the Eastern world, but in the Western world, it's more accepted now than it, than it was 15 years ago or even 10 years ago for that matter. I, I just, I love that it's a normal conversation now that there are so many people that are learning about their chakras, learning about astrology, getting tarot readings, um, practicing in some sort of daily ritual. I, I love that. Is there anything that you wish more people were talking about? Or is there anything I didn't ask you that you wanted to talk about? The only thing that really comes to mind is, you know, I wish more people, I wish it was discussed more often the importance of having a relationship with your ancestors. Um, if you can't tell by now, I, I'm very, very much, I'm very heavy <laughs> on the ancestral work. Um, I find that, you know, deities, deities, they're, it's all fine and well. Um, but the ancestors, man, <laughs> they're like your first line of defense when it comes to like protection and spiritual warfare. Your old, your older ancestors, the ones that that you don't know of, that you never knew of, they're the ones that you call on for spiritual warfare to protect yourself and and to protect you and, and so on. And then the 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 more recent ones are the ones that you call on to, you know, bring in prosperity and love and happiness and abundance. Um, so I, w- I wish there was more emphasis on ancestor work because the longer I'm active on social media, the more I'm seeing people are afraid of connecting with their ancestors, but then they're not afraid of connecting with this deity. (laughs) I'm like connecting with deities freaks me out more than ancestors because I don't with deities. There's no written, there's no physical proof that they were ever a a thing like a person. And so there's just no genealogical record of them ever being here. And you don't really know what you're calling on. And so that, I wish people, I wish it was um, talked about more to start with your ancestors first and maybe then move into deities. Um, it's, deity, deity work is hard. <laughs> it's, it's, they're not, in my experience, they're not as responsive as, my ancestors are. You're going in it and takes, out. It takes. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe I'm not supposed to talk about that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Spirit said, "Nope, we're not talking about that." <laughs> Excuse um, you. No, I wish it. I wish. I wish more, I wish, uh, ancestor education was, was talked about more often. (laughs) I said what I said. Who do you, who do you think I should have on the show? Mm, I think you should have Miss Raina from Queenly Conjure on the show. She is a tea fairy and I love it. (laughs) I don't know what that means. Like. She's like, a, 
Yeah, she makes uh, okay. tea, tea blends. <laughs> She's a tea fairy. Having her on the show would be great, and also having Shannon from Earthy Bruja. That would be great, too. So, last two questions are not questions. <laughs> Please recommend something to everybody. Oh, recommend something. Take a motherfucking spiritual bath. Get into a habit. I strongly recommend spiritual baths. They will change your life. I noticed that uh, not a lot of people practice some sort of like ritual, like Florida water, fine. Smoke cleanse, fine. No, get your butt in a bathtub or pour some sort of spiritual water over you and do like a three-day cleanse. Um, I think that, I don't know. (laughs) Is that what you were looking for? Yeah. Okay. It doesn't have to be witchy even like. Um, but no, t- Charlie said zebra cakes. <laughs> Dude, I love zebra cakes. You know what I love more than zebra cakes though? Star crunch. <laughs> Christmas tree cakes. Oh, oh the vanilla I like those ones. White ones. Yes. The vanilla. White. Yes. That's where it's at. But no, taking, taking regular spiritual baths and just, just doing that because even as we're moving through the mundane world and the magical world, we pick up spiritual debris. We pick up spiritual dirt by the people we we interact with knowingly and unknowingly. Um, sometimes it's it's innocent and sometimes it's not. So it just getting into a regular habit, doing it, you know, twice a month, three times a month, um, or even doing a little one every Sunday before you restart and and just regular maintenance. I, I'm always surprised by how many people I interact with and say, you know, when they talk to me, I'm like, when's the last time you washed your floors? Or when's the last time you've taken a spiritual bath? And it's always months and months and months of not doing it. And I'm like, okay, here's what you need to do. <laughs> and, uh, and then come talk to me. So, yeah. I interviewed somebody a little while ago and she said, you need to go get lemongrass and bathe in it. And I was like, all right. And then I was literally in the shower and I thought, oh, let me go get some lemongrass. So I like threw a towel on and went out in the yard and got it and came back in. Yeah. And then I decided to use it as a scrub. And turns out that really is not a good idea. And it looked like a cat had been scared off my chest. Yeah. So I don't recommend that to anyone. Take a bath and put it in the water. (laughs) Yeah, boil it. Boil it. Put some hyssop in there. Put some sea salt, some mint. Boil it for about 13 minutes. Let it cool. Take your regular bath first to get all that dirt off of you. And then once the water has been cooled, say your affirmations over it. Say your prayer over it. And then dump that water over your head. Let yourself air dry. and then. Go to bed and don't shower until the next day. What does that take you, like three hours to air dry where you live? Because I live (laughs) in the desert. It's like that. (laughs) It's You know what? I keep it very cold in my house, so it takes me no time at all. But if I do my spiritual bath outside or by the ocean, oh, my God. I'm just kind of like walking around waiting for things to air out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I look insane. So last thing, please tell me a story that you love to tell. 
I don't care if it's about witches or not. I just like some, I want something that you enjoy telling to people. Okay. So last year, <laughs> and my husband will appreciate this one. So my husband loves to like, I, you know, I take him to all the shops that I go to and he goes into all the botanicas and he's like, Oh look, that's Yemaya. Me and her, we, we vibe, we vibe. I'm like, man, just <laughs> stop. Just don't touch anything. <laughs> Uh, but so he's he's very much aware and, and I'm surprised at how well versed he is in all of this. Um, and so last year, Zeta happened, Hurricane Zeta. And I think we had been here for maybe three months because it happened uh, during the weekend of Samhain. And we didn't have any power. And I think you remember you posting about that. Yeah. And so we... We were without power for a significant number of days, no hot water. Um, thank God for the cold front that it blew in because it gets hot in Mississippi, <laughs> like real hot and it gets real swampy. So I think the the cold front was the only saving grace, but um, he being the Boy Scout that he is, he had one of those cooktop you know, kerosene things. And Yay. yeah, we had like a big pot, like a big cauldron pot. And we were, uh, he had made red beans and rice ahead of time to help prepare. And uh, just in case, you know, and thank God for that. So we're thawing out the red beans and rice. We're heating it up over the cooktop camp kerosene thing. And he's stirring it. And he was like, babe, think of it this way. Like, this is just like Outlander. We're living like Outlander. And I looked at him and I said, so help me God. <laughs> if given the choice to fall through some stones back into 1770, whatever, I'm going to stay my ass right here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stay my ass right here in 2020 because I cannot. And I like had this big thing and he, he just looked at me. He was like, oh my God, I thought you loved Outlander. <laughs> so yeah. That was my funny story. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to die from dysentery. <laughs> right. Dehydration is not cute. On that fun note. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for talking to me and being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This is fun. Oh, good. Then I will see you on Instagram. Okay. We'll see you there. Yeah. Um, you guys can follow me on Instagram at uh, instagram.com forward slash midnight by Verbena. I am there all the time. Um, well, not as often as I was. I moved over to Patreon, which you guys can find me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash midnight by Verbena. Um, we have a bunch of cool things going on. Oh, I also forgot to mention too about the Patreon. Um, in the VIP, like the third tier, uh, those participants get access to all of my classes, both previous and current ones and future ones. So I have a, a class coming up in mid-November. I think it's November 17th. It's called Journey to the Dark Goddess. And so that's included in the Patreon. Nice. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm excited. I'm really excited for it. This is my first um, deity class. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it's a dark goddess class too. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be uh it's going to be 
very metal, very party. (laughs) 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 But thank you so much for having me. This was great. Well, it's fun to have you here. Thank you for coming. We'll see you around then. Uh, Toodles. Bye. Bye. I have another review from Apple Podcasts. This one is from BirdGirl1001, who says, Loving it. I am really enjoying this podcast. Thank you so much for doing these great interviews. Thank you so much, BirdGirl. Short, sweet, and to the point gets me every time. Now let's do a Patreon shout-out. Thank you so much to my patrons, who I've been neglecting a little bit as far as shout-outs go. Thank you to Heather, Ashley, Carson Valley Creations, Amber J, Amber R, Ember Writes Astrology, The Casey's Corner YouTube Channel, Trey, Keisha, Amanda, Charlie, Desiree, Macy, Sierra, Chloe, Haley, Heidi, Jess Ann, Kristen, Madeline, Moss and Monsters, Phaedra, Travis, and Sarah. Thank you all so much for your support. You help me so much, and you're also helping me get this podcast out. Also, I want to give a special shout out to my friend and camp mom, Amberly, who started her own podcast. Amberly talks about life and raising kids in a spiritually diverse family. Check her out on Spotify at the Hearth and Hedge podcast and over on Instagram at the Hearth and Hedge. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Your Average Witch. You can find us all around the internet on Instagram at Your Average Witch Podcast, Twitter at Average Witch Pod. Facebook at facebook.com slash your average witch podcast at your average witch podcast.com and at your favorite podcast service. Want to help the podcast grow? Leave a review on Apple podcasts. You just might hear your review read at the end of the next episode. If you'd like to recommend someone for the podcast, like to be on it yourself, or if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, send an email to your average witch podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the moon changes.